0: Don't call it a comb I'll have hair for years.
1: Wake up in the morning feeling like Pete Diddy. Say hey, my glasses. i out the door. I'm going to hit this city. That's before up. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Because when I leave for
0: the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking.
2: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios.
0: On this channel, we are sophisticated, worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh, my God, that cloud looks like a dog. Are you are you seeing this?
2: This is the Press Box.
0: Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy
2: and Bischoff.
0: Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy
2: take, and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Did All right, right, here we, we go. Time oh, America. I
1: guess not. Is this it? No, it's time to go. Really? This, I forgot. This Easy. is the intro that has that random part at the end.
2: Oh, all hold
0: right. On, hold on, Danny. You turned on the wrong mic. We are, we are off to a great start. Are. The mic it's that I normally t- use apparently doesn't work. There's, right. just a, there's just a note in here from Ari that says there's a buzz on that mic.
1: I was wondering why when I came in, that light wasn't lit or that... Uh, microphone, the lights weren't lit up for that one, but they were on for four, and now I know why.
0: <laughs> this studio might not make it.
2: It might not. To the end of our show. Right. Uh, Danny's mic is a, a bunch of wires, but it seems to be working.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see how long that works.
2: There's four mics in here. Ed has the only reliable one. Is that true? I don't know. It's we'll a, find out. It's, it's actually plugged in, so I guess it is. (laughs) Because
1: it depends. With uh, the one that Tyler's on, you can't really stand up, because that's the one I use when I come in at the end of shows.
2: There's
0: springs on here
1: that
2: are supposed to, on
0: the arm, that make it, you know, adjustable, and this one is missing a spring, which means it might just pop up and hit me in the face at any point during the show.
2: Starkish, you're coming in at 9.30. Good luck. (laughs) Might have to share (laughs) mics. The first bite.
1: Who has the final
2: decision on the Raiders' next quarterback? I'll tell you who should is Josh McDaniels because his job might be on the line. He 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 should have the final decision. Right? Yeah. So he should have the final decision. It's his quarterback, and if it doesn't work out, might not work out for him.
0: If we go back in time, um, Dana White revealed this story that Tom Brady. It's it's (laughs) this one of the dumbest details of any (laughs) NFL story ever. But Tom Brady was going to be a Raider. (laughs) And John Gruden said no. Uh, Mark Davis was on board with it, but he gave John Gruden the final decision. And John Gruden said no thank you to Tom Brady when Brady was leaving New England. Brady obviously went to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl in his first year with the Buccaneers. So we just have to go back a little bit in history to see a mistake when the head coach and de facto GM was given full control over who the next quarterback is. When you say that McDaniel should have it because his job might depend on it, I am curious, first off, do you think the next quarterback is what determines Josh McDaniels eventual job security with the Raiders?
2: I think it's the biggest factor of what might determine whether he stays or goes.
0: So to, to play out some hypotheticals, if they, let's say they get Tom Brady. Right. And obviously, if he wins, whoever he wins with, he's good to go, right? But let's say they get Tom Brady, and they go 8-9 and and 9-8 and and don't make the playoffs the next two years.
2: Then I don't think it's good for Josh McDaniels. Do you think he's fired after that? Three straight without playoffs? I think there's a good chance. So
0: the other hypothetical, or the other extreme hypothetical, I guess, is if they draft a rookie quarterback this year. See. Does he get four years that's no matter when I what? I think he
2: gets a few more because I think they can convince Davis we're building around this kid and he needs some time. So if
0: they you know, they're picking at seven, if they grab Will Levis or if they trade up and get Stroud or Bryce Young, you think he's locked in for four? I mean, obviously if you go like one and sixteen,
2: you're probably not surviving that. But
0: you know, if they will with rookie games, years
2: with rookie quarterback, I just think they can commit. I think Mark Davis has a lot of say in this. Or at least they go to him for his opinions, which I guess they should because he's the owner yeah. and he's the one paying these people. Um, I think that if they w- went up and got, whether Stroud or Young or, like you said, took Will Levis, um, they would convince him that, hey, it didn't work with Carr. We're going to rebuild here starting with a great quarterback. It's going to take some time. He's going to need you know a few years to integrate himself into being a really good quarterback, and I think that could go over with Mark Davis. So
0: all of that? is the exact reason why Josh McDaniels should not have final say over who the next quarterback is. Should should is one thing. You asked me who I think will. Right. Right. But I there's if I'm Mark Davis, here's, here's the problem that a lot of NFL coaches run into and what Josh McDaniels is probably going to, to face. The decision on who your quarterback is and the coach ultimately making it, what the coach does... And what's in the best interest of the head coach is not always going to be what's in the best interest of the organization. Oh, no.
2: A lot of times they're looking out for themselves and their own survival. Of course. And so if you're Mark Davis and you
0: think that, hey, Josh McDaniels is making this quarterback decision, and while that might prolong his job, that's not what's best for us as an organization. As an organization, we need to go in a different direction. Mark Davis needs to actually come in and say that and make that decision because if they, you know, bring in a rookie quarterback and he's guaranteed four years as head coach and they don't go to the playoffs, you just threw four years away because you let the coach make the decision and then didn't fire him because, ah, we got to see what he does with his rookie. It, it has to be a decision that's good for the organization, not just one that's good for Josh McDaniels. Well, longevity as the head coach here.
2: I agree with all that. I just think that Mark Davis hired these people, and he's going to lean on the side that they want to go to. Um, doesn't mean it's right. I just think that Ziegler and McDaniels are in a position where, and they're going to make this decision pretty quick here, right? It's this year. They're going to decide right, whether they're going to draft one, and, and they might do both. They might sign Brady and draft a guy, um, and that would be interesting. You know, How would you feel if you know Brady's a bridge for one or two years, they don't make the playoffs, but then they say, hey um, – Bryce Young is ready now, or CJ right. Stroud is ready now, whoever they would trade up against. Max get him. Duggan, Levis, our fifth round Will pick, Levis is ready. They get him, yeah, or if they, Will us if they get him at seven, is ready now. You know, and, and they've had Brady for two years, not made the playoffs, but they say, hey, this kid's ready now. The actual interesting part of that hypothetical is if they have Brady for two years and they do make the playoffs both years.
0: And then you basically have a Packer situation where you drafted a quarterback and yeah. you got this old guy who's like, well, who's
2: winning, who's winning you, games.
0: You're going to the playoffs with him. Yeah. But you'd spend a first round pick on a different guy. So it, that'd be an uh, interesting situation where you'd have Green Bay, which by the way, in that scenario, what would Brady be? 48?
2: 48 years old.
0: <laughs> Is it? It's stupid that we can realistically be like, yeah, Brady for two years. Yeah. Like that's stupid. The guy's going to be 48. And we're like, ah all right, yeah, he could be the quarterback here for two yeah. more years. We're, we're not far away from being like, yeah, he's 50, but yeah. oh, well, bring him but back. But he still, he still can make all the throws. <laughs> it's going to be so stupid. So Vic Tafer of The Athletic wrote a story. It was about Tom Brady and six reasons why it doesn't make sense for the Raiders to go after Tom Brady. But one of the things he wrote in that story that I thought was interesting. Mark Davis is so excited about the idea of bringing in Brady and being the talk of the NFL that he agrees to go for it and not hold the new regime responsible if it doesn't work out. Ziggler and McDaniels can start the rebuild in 2024. That's a hypothetical scenario. Is there a chance that Mark Davis um, either approves or even sort of throws his weight around and makes a quarterback change happen and he does it because he's interested in being the talk of the NFL. He does it because he wants to be a popular team in the NFL and not because he thinks it's what's best for winning.
2: I think he would believe it's both. I think he would believe Brady would win for them and he'd be the talk of the NFL. I can't believe deep down he would do something but not think they're going to win with it. That would be irresponsible right? as the owner. I mean, that would be irresponsible if you thought, hey, we're going to get Tom Brady, but we're not going to win. And, you know, in two years, we're going to have to do this all over with, a, you know, a young quarterback. And then we're going to have to build around him and say, give him some time. Um, but I think he could. There's a very good chance he would think both that, you know, we made the big splash on the front of the paper in the Raiders uniform. Uh, you know, Derek Carr. <laughs> you guys not don't ha- even d- have to dig d- very far to make no, another one no. of those. Derek Carr not happy as he picks it up and, and, and sees it, although he never reads stuff. Um <laughs> And then Mark Davis would think, hey, we have Tom Brady. We're going to win. I he, think it would be both. He would talk himself into, well, if everybody's yes. talking
0: about us, then we must be then good. We must
2: be good. And Tom right. Brady must still have it.
0: Yeah, it's it's just an interesting way to look at it where because Vic Tafers written things like that in the past. He wrote it about the John Gruden hiring and how that was uh, obviously Mark Davis was chasing Gruden forever. But that was a hey look at me, I pulled the big hire, everybody talk about me and not so much a, Hey, is John Gruden going to be a head coach or good head coach type of hire? It's just an interesting situation where you, you might have to worry that your owner is more worried about headlines than he is actually winning games. And given that they very rarely won games, when is he going to prove that as an owner, he can put together a competent football team. He is yet to do that. So I'll be curious to see. I, I We probably won't get it in real time, but I'll be curious to see sort of after the fact some of the stories or some of the reporting we get on how the Raiders chose whatever quarterback they end up choosing, right? If it's Brady, if it's you know a lower-level free agent like Garoppolo or something like that, or if they decide to go all in and try to draft, draft one and pick one there, or like you said, the potential of both where you do sign a free agent, but you also draft somebody. And then say, hey, we're going to let that guy sit for a couple of years right. while Garoppolo plays or Brady plays or whatever it is, which would be that. That's the one to me. I think when we talk about like what's good for the head coach versus what's good for the organization, I think if if they decided, hey, we're going to sign. Let's say let's use Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo as the example. We're going to sign Garoppolo and we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I think that's the scenario where the head coach is protecting himself and it's bad for the organization because in that scenario, right? If you go Garoppolo and draft a quarterback, you're basically saying we're going to spend a year or two with Garoppolo as our quarterback because we know there's competent quarterback play there and we won't be awful. I won't get fired because we're not going to go two and 15, right? Whereas if we start a rookie who sucks, we could go two go two and 15, but the reason I think that would be bad for the organization is like we talk about all the time. Rookie quarterback contracts are extremely valuable and you don't want to waste them. And in the AFC, you're trying to find your franchise quarterback, right? To compete with Especially Kansas in City, division. Buffalo, Cincinnati. And if you draft a quarterback in the first round and then you don't play him for two years, you're basically throwing away a two-year evaluation period. And now as a head coach, you'd be scared because uh oh, I start this guy, we win three games, then we win five games, and I'm fired. Whereas as an organization, all right, we draft the guy, he sucks in two years. We'll move, we got to find the new quarterback. But as a head coach, you're probably gone with the quarterback. And that's not good for the head coach, but it would be good for the organization because you need to find that quarterback. Signing Garoppolo is not what this team needs to do. Because signing Garoppolo just makes them a somewhere between a seven and a 10 win team, and not one that can actually compete in the AFC.
2: I just think that the other thing that has not been reported enough or talked about enough is with this Raiders to Brady thing is if Brady's even going to be interested. Yeah. If he's really going to look at this team at 46 years old, he knows these guys might be friends with these guys, whatever, their date to New England, their days, but he really looks at this defense and offensive line and says, yeah, I can win a Super Bowl there.
0: I think there's two things. One, that's bad news. If the Raiders want Brady, bad news for Brady being a Raider is, does Brady want to come? Does he even want to be here? Right. But I do think the other one that, that could work out for the Raiders if they want to get Brady is how many other teams are actually going to want Brady? Like, we assume that there's We're quarterback needy the four teams. four or five that are, like, need a quarterback. Will the Colts really say, ah, oh, we just need Tom Brady, right? Like, the guy's 46, and mm-hmm. it's he was an you know, above average NFL if a quarterback this year, but he wasn't Tom Brady top five quarterback in the league this year. I do wonder if there's a chance his market is a lot smaller than we think. Like if if Indy, if uh, the Jets, if the Panthers, if the commander, if those type of teams are like, you know, we're fine. We'd rather try to find our franchise quarterback who's 22, not 46. Right. I do wonder if there's a chance the market's a little bit smaller for Brady. And we really think, right. And even if Brady wasn't like, oh yeah, gotta be a, or don't want to be a Raider. He might say, well, they're the only team that actually wants me. So I'll end up as a Raider. So we'll see. Coming up next gold Knights are back in action tonight, but do they need Jack Eichel to be significantly better
2: live from the Finley Toyota ESPN, Las Vegas studios. This is the press box with Graney and Bischoff.
1: I mean, leadership starts at the top. It's up to me to get the players ready to play. But when the puck drops, I mean, I've said this before, effort and execution falls on the player. I mean, they're the ones on the ice. Our effort wasn't good enough. And we talked about the first goal. The execution was, was poor for lack, you know, and let's just call it what it was. It was freaking poor. And now we're all, all of a sudden we're chasing, chasing the game. So um, and you'd hope the leaders in the room would step up between periods. I have to go in there sometimes. Absolutely my job, but it can't be all the time. Um, and, and hold guys accountable for at least an effort level like I said no one wins 82 games a year uh, but we, we need better here at home we got you know a great I'm learning this you know terrific fans are here supporting us every night and we have to play better in Toronto. We, we have to put out a better effort and uh, you know that'll be our goal obviously on Thursday to, to bounce back in that area and hopefully that's a start you know, and maybe the, the execution comes you know.
0: There's Bruce Cassidy talking about the lack of effort in the Golden Knights last game they're back in action tonight hosting the Detroit Red Wings you can hear that over on Fox Sports Las Vegas game starts at seven um
2: it's always uh difficult for like the the eye in the press box or um to me this is my opinion or the fans to gauge effort right I always think that you know like in football and other sports well we didn't have any effort but you're watching the game and I guess the coach can tell but effort's really hard to gauge. For me. Execution's not hard to gauge. Yeah, you know if the guy executes or not. But effort, I always think that's hard to gauge. Unless there's a guy who is just, who gets beat down, yeah, and doesn't try and just right. stays in the back. Exactly, exactly. Right. But then if, you know,
0: like if somebody's giving hundred percent effort versus like eighty percent effort, that's hard it's, to tell. It's hard to tell. If somebody gives like twenty five percent effort, then you like, can tell it. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, Bruce Cassidy doesn't think it was good enough. I do enjoy that he was like, yeah, sometimes I have to go in the locker room and intermission, but can't do that all the time, you can't.
2: I don't know if Gallant ever did.
0: Well, do you remember Gallant? I can't remember what the question was, but they were talking something about poor starts or maybe it was uh, poor effort too, and Gallant gave the quote of like, what do you want me to run in there with pom-poms?
2: Yeah, like... exactly. I don't think he ever I think he went into the coach's room and let the kind of the leadership handle did it. Did
0: Gallant know where the locker room was? I don't know. Was? I
2: don't know if he did because I don't <laughs> I remember him saying that that he didn't go in there very yeah. often. Which Bruce Cassidy apparently doesn't either. So Mark Stone
0: is out. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, Frank Saravalli is reported that he's dealing with another back issue. Sounds very concerning. Still no official update from the team. No actual timeline on Mark Stone here. So from now until whenever Mark Stone comes back, maybe it's soon. Maybe it's a long time. How important is this time period for Jack Eichel?
2: It's important after to where he has to shoot the puck. <laughs> More than once in two More games? More than once in two games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's the best player, right? And he has to pick up the slack when Mark Stone isn't in there. And recently, at least, the last few games recently, he hasn't been what he's supposed to be. So uh, he has no points in the last two games without Mark
0: Stone. He has one shot uh, on goal in the last two games. Didn't have any against Edmonton two games ago. So far, if you look at his season numbers, right, he's played in 34 games. He's got 15 goals, 18 assists. That is basically a point per game, a little bit more, but that's basically a point per game output over the course of a full season. Obviously, he's not going to play 32 or 82 because he was hurt at one point this season. But if you look at where the Golden Knights are right now, they're in the Pacific Division, which has suddenly become very, very yeah. tight.
2: Right? Uh, this, suddenly, Edmonton and Calgary are playing.
0: Are there, right? It, you like This division is very tight. The Golden Knights have 58 points at the top. And then it goes Seattle, 56, LA, 56, Edmonton, 53, Calgary, 51. So seven points between Calgary and Vegas is still pretty significant, but that's also a bad month and Calgary catches Vegas.
2: It's last year and they catch them. Right. So if you don't have Mark Stone
0: for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, beyond that, I'm curious to see what does the first line look like? Because last game, it was Nick Waugh and Paul Cotter playing with Jack Eichel. And if Bruce Cassidy continues to put those players on the first line, can Jack Eichel carry a line with two, you know, average NHL players or maybe even worse than that? Or does Bruce Cassidy have to give Jack Eichel another good player on his line? Does he have to break up yeah. the misfits and put Riley Smith or Jonathan Marchessault on his line?
2: I think yesterday in practice, Kessel was on the line. Jack Eichel's being asked to do a lot of Kessel. (laughs) They they tweeted out the lines yesterday. I think Kessel was on the top line with him. So
0: I'm I'm curious because Bruce Cassidy and a lot of it's been injury related, but Bruce Cassidy has tried a ton of different line combinations over the course of the season. A lot of teams do, especially when you run into injuries to a bunch of different players. So what I expect, like, if, let's say Stone misses four weeks, right? Just use that as a hypothetical timeline. If Stone misses four weeks, we're going to see Jack Eichel play with, like, 17 different right. line combinations over the course of four weeks. So I'm curious to see how often is that a line combination of bottom six players and they're asking Jack Eichel to make,
2: bring them along, make,
0: the, make this a good line right? with Waugh and Cotter and Amadio and whoever else they, end, or Kessel, whoever else they end up putting up there. Versus how many times do they say Jack Eichel needs Riley Smith? Because in my mind, you make the trade for Eichel. He's one of your highest paid players. He should be one of the best players. In this scenario, Jack Eichel should be good enough that they that he can carry Paul Cotter and Nick, and Waugh. Nick Waugh. And again, you're not going to be an awesome line, but be an above average line. And produce, to some degree, get a shot on goal, produce to some degree... With Cotter and with Wall, which would allow the Misfit line to stay together and would give the Golden Knights effectively two good lines and then the fourth line, which has been solid throughout the course of the season. That's the best path to the Golden Knights winning while Mark Stone is out. I just don't know if they're actually going to do it if Jack Eichel has to play with Cotter and Amadio, which is a problem because he should be able to based on the way this roster is
2: constructed. I wouldn't break up the Misfit line. They might have to. They might have to. Yeah. It's something that... I wouldn't do it.
0: It's something that, like, every coach tries to do, and then eventually is like, They go right back to it. I guess we're going to play those three guys together, because that seems to work pretty well. On Jack Eichel, uh, Sinbin.Vegas wrote a story about this, and it was a comparison of Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and what the team looks like when just one of them is on the ice. Right When both are on the ice, the Golden Knights are phenomenal but when just one of them is on the ice and not to go through all of the numbers, but to sum it up when Jack Eichel is on the ice without Mark stone, the golden Knights are basically an average or below average hockey team. When Mark stone is on the ice without Jack Eichel, the golden Knights are still a good above average hockey team. When they're both on the ice, they're great. But when it's just one of them, they're much better with just stone than they are with just Eichel. And if that's going to be the case for however long Mark stone is out, they could be in some trouble because they might not have enough good forward lines to actually win a lot of games. And the Pacific Division, as tight as it is right now, you could be in some trouble. You could be. We could be in March and April, and the Golden Knights are genuinely fighting for a playoff, for a spot, playoff spot if this is how it plays out. So they need Eichel to play better. They need Eichel to be a true number one player on a team that can carry lesser players on his line. Yeah and allow the misfits to stay together, or even if Cassidy wants to break up the misfits and help the third line out or something like that.
2: Oh, man. What? The third line.
0: What? We just forgot about them. I mean,
2: I, we don't even talk yeah, about them just anymore. Forgot. With all the injuries, who's even <laughs> exactly. on the third line? I don't even know who's on it.
0: Somebody's coming up from Henderson today to probably play on the third line. Stevenson? Uh, that's the problem. It's been Stevenson, who maybe he's the right answer for who should play. Maybe they should completely ignore the third line and play Stevenson Steven and Eichel Jack again? Eichel. Maybe, um, but Cassidy's talked a lot about having that spine of centers of Eichel, Carlson, Stevenson, and then fourth line, usually it's Nick Waugh, but he likes those three as his centers. He might not be able to do that if Stevenson and Eichel work well enough together to put them together and get a competent first line and just maybe ignore the third line even more than he already does. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Laurie Fitzpatrick joins the show. Joining us now from Touchdown Wire is Lori Fitzpatrick. Good morning, Lori. Hey, Lori. How are you today?
3: Hey guys, how are you? Good.
0: Good. Uh first off, very important question for you. Did you know that Waffle House took reservations?
3: Uh I do know that now. I had no <laughs> idea before cuz we Interesting.
0: We've theorized that uh Trevor Lawrence's wife who reportedly called and made a reservation at Waffle House. We've theorized that whoever answered the phone at Waffle House just said, "Yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll take a reservation." And it w- they didn't actually take the reservation. They just said, "Yeah, come on back to <laughs> Waffle House."
3: Exactly. I wonder if if like I didn't watch the video, but I don't know if there were other people already there. Maybe she reserved the whole place. I'm not really sure.
0: There were other people there, so they were very excited oh, okay. to see Trevor Lawrence. Now, Uh, So the Jags come back to beat the Chargers and the majority of the conversation, including from us has been about the Chargers blowing it, uh, blowing a 27, nothing lead. What happens to Brandon Staley? Uh, But you wrote a story about the Jacksonville Jags and what adjustments they made. So on the credit side of this, what did the Jags do? What did they change in game to come back and beat the Chargers?
3: Well, the first thing they did, and this was before halftime even happened. It was, you know, it was the last drive before the half. They, they started going up tempo. Um, they, they really wanted to catch the defense off guard. Uh, they wanted to, they wanted to keep that defense, that same personnel, that same look on the field. They didn't want to give them time to adjust, uh, you know, and they were able to do that. Uh, and then they kind of like, they kind of kept that same exact theme throughout the second half. Um, they, they really wanted to, uh, to expose their, their third, uh, their, their like third, their cover three in a way, uh, that second safety, uh, that was generally on the backside of the play, uh, that the Jaguars are coming out on a lot of trips, uh, and that backside safety was always like kind of stepping up. It was, uh, it was different guys each time. So it wasn't always like James or anything like that, but, um, you know, that, 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 that backside safety kept stepping up. And so they would just kind of throw out that over route, uh, and kind of expose them that way. Um, and they were kind of doing the underneath. And then once the chargers kind of went back to their base defense, that's when the Jaguars decided to go, um, and go back to Christian Kirk and, uh, and kind of go more man to man concepts like those quick outs or, uh, more of the, the 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 rub routes to kind of get those guys open because the Chargers kind of switched uh, after uh, after the second half or at the second half.
2: Lori, are you surprised that it appears Brandon Staley changed how he coached this year and the decisions he would make in game?
3: Um, it's it hasn't really surprised me to be honest. It it just it seems like Herbert is always so close um, to just taking that next step to, like, being great. Um, and, you know, it was early in the season where they really didn't let him throw deep downfield. Uh, then they started to, and it just it seems like nobody's really on the same page uh, in terms of, like, letting Herbert do what he does best. And, and that happens sometimes in franchises. Like, the coach will kind of keep his, uh, his own philosophies instead of maybe switching it up to, to the skill set of his players. Um, and that's really what needs to be switched, uh, de- you know, over there in, in, uh, in Los Angeles.
0: If we look ahead a little bit here, what is there any way the Jags can beat the chiefs? Like what has to go, right? What do the Jags have to do if they're going to beat Kansas city?
3: Well, they have to force turnovers on defense. So uh, in their last game, they, they forced two turnovers and recovered two fumbles in the first half and uh, you know, it would have been a 10 point game at halftime if, if the kicker didn't miss the field goal. Um, So both of those turnovers uh, allowed really good field position for the Jaguars. So I think it's about field position for them. Um, the, The chiefs give up the, the fourth most yards to underneath passes. So that's like from, from the air yards, like negative 20 air yards to 10 air yards they give up the fourth-most yards in that, like, underneath zone. So they can kind of, like, dink and dunk that whole way up the field, Um, maybe not go over the top as much, kind of keep that possession, keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Uh, And I think, you know, they they have a chance to to do really well. I think it's going to be more of a shootout um, because the Chiefs defense – You know, they give up the third most yards to running backs. They give up the the third most yards to wide receivers. I think that they give up like 85 yards a game to the number one wide receiver. Um, And that would be Christian Kirk uh, for for the Jaguars. So, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, up to Trevor Lawrence to to be able to stay uh, consistent throughout the entire game. Uh, And then obviously the defense, they have to force turnovers like they did in the first half of that second game. And, uh, and really prevent Travis Kelsey from going off. The, the Jags are not very good when it comes to covering tight ends. I think they're like like top five worst when it comes to allowing uh, tight ends to get open. So that that's definitely a concern.
2: Can the Cowboys' offense of last week win a game in San Francisco?
3: Ooh, will will the Cowboys win against San Francisco? I I don't think so. To be honest, I think. I think it was unfair that I'm still not over the McCaffrey trade. Like, I'm still not over it. Um, I'm not sure how the NFL allowed that to happen um, because, you know, I think the Cowboys' defense is great, man. Their pass rush is, you know, only second to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, But I think, you know, the 49ers, the way Purdy works in the pocket, man, he's got. He's got dancing with the stars hips, I'm telling you. The way that he can get it out when that pressure comes, you know, he can dump it off to McCaffrey. You know, he has Kittle. He has some really dangerous weapons that get yards after the catch. So even if the pass rush gets home, I still feel like the 49ers, their offense is just too explosive to, to stop them.
0: You tweeted out something that I thought was interesting about the Giants that over the last seven weeks, they've only played four teams because they played Washington twice, Philly twice, and uh, the Vikings twice, and the Colts yeah. in there as well.
3: Yeah, the Colts. Does,
0: yeah. That, does that mean anything when you're playing all these teams back-to-back or almost back-to-back over the course of a month or so?
3: I think that um, it doesn't really – for me, it means that they haven't had to, to – be very innovative or they haven't really had to dig very deep into film because you usually do that on the first matchup. And then on the second matchup, you just look at the first matchup and maybe adjust and, you know, call a little more of the plays that went right in the first matchup. So it's really like about adjusting just to your own, your own mistakes and not allowing you to beat yourself, which is good. Like it's, it's always good to be able to do that, but, I don't feel like they have really had to, like, go back and watch a ton of film on new teams. They, they keep playing the same teams. And, you know, I know it's hard to beat the same team twice. Uh, and they haven't been able to do it. You know, they went 3-3-1. Three, three and one. So they're basically 500 when they play these teams uh, again. So, I don't know. To me, it's just like they didn't really have to game plan as much. Uh, and they kind of had a step up in terms of, uh, you know, really having to dig deep into a new opponent, you know, that they knew their opponents, so.
2: Uh, Josh Allen last week, not very good in terms of the turnovers, had the yards, but didn't play particularly well overall. And now the Bengals come in. If that's the Josh Allen we get again, how good a chance do you give the Cincinnati Bengals?
3: Uh, I still, I'm still going to give it to the Bills, to be honest. Um, You know, the, the Bengals, their interior pass rush uh, is really good. You know, DJ reader has been fantastic. Uh, Hill has done, re- done really well. Um, you know, I-, I am a little concerned about, um, about Eli Apple uh, and how, you know, he- he's given up a lot. His, uh, his PFF grade is too great either. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously it's, you know, film is the first place you look, um, but PFF can give some good insight when it, comes to matchups and things like that, and, you know, Eli Apple just hasn't been, uh, you know, the best, and if you if you throw Stefan Diggs and you're able to do some pre-snap motions and get the matchups that you like, you know, for the Bills offense, um, I don't think they'll have, I don't think they'll have too many issues. I think the Bills will be just fine. Um, you know, I'm a little worried about their, their rushing attack, but at the end of the day, um, I still think that... Uh, that <laughs> You know the the NFL kind of, you know, quote unquote, leaked the script. You know, with Kansas City and Bills are already kind of selling those tickets, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I think the Bills. I think the Bills take this one.
0: Well, she is Lori Fitzpatrick Uh, again. You can find her work at USA Today's Touchdown Wire. Lori, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Lori.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one. You You too. too.
0: So there is Lori Fitzpatrick on the Jags and the rest of the NFL. Uh, this season, as we are into the divisional round of the playoffs, the um, Jacksonville Jags—do they have a shot against the Chiefs?
2: I don't believe they do.
0: I mean, I think she's right. You're going to have to force
2: turnovers. turnovers. You have to <laughs> for, uh, force mistakes. But it's but. like
0: if Mahomes throws two interceptions. The Chiefs still probably yeah, win. yeah. <laughs>
2: like if he plays like Josh Allen did last week they still probably score enough
0: right it might end up being just like Buffalo Miami where right. it's close know, closer than people poorly, think and it's maybe Trevor Lawrence has something in him maybe Trevor Lawrence has something in him if they get the two picks or something he's like got some that. waffles in him that's right because <laughs> does he have a does he have a reservation at a Kansas City Waffle House oh, already? Man.
2: I'll tell you what. They beat the Chiefs. So he'll, tell you, he'll they'll get reservations uh, back in Jacksonville anywhere he wants. That
0: should be his new move. Wherever they're After playing, every win? Wherever, wherever they're playing, just go ahead and book a reservation at a Waffle House.
1: Would you trust a Waffle House in
0: Kansas City? After the game? After
1: just beating the hometown the, team in the playoffs? The, the people playoffs? at Waffle
0: House don't know who's playing in the NFL, Danny. <laughs> they barely know their own name. I mean, they might be there drunk from the game. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Would be great. My favorite. Oh, who was it? I think it was when uh, when Auburn lost the national championship game. That was in L.A. With Cam? Yes. I was there. Yeah, That was in L.A.? Yeah. <laughs> Waffle House tweeted out after they lost, don't worry, there's a lot of Waffle Houses on your way home. <laughs> and they had like a road map of like if you drove from L.A. all the way back to Alabama and put a dot for where every Waffle House was on the way back to, to uh, Alabama. There's from probably a lot Alabama. of them. Oh, yeah, ton of them. It's a great tweet by Waffle House. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump back into the NFL and talk about Daniel Jones. D'Amato passing front score! <laughs> Patrick Gay in his return to
1: the HSK lineup gets the Silver Knights started. It's a 1-0 Henderson lead. Brian McCormick on the call. The HSK would add three more as they defeated the Roadrunners by a score of 4-1. to
2: this sports update is brought to you by the East West Shrine Bowl football game. Come check out the East West Shrine Bowl football game on February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. Go to shrinebowl.com for more info. We're back to the Press Box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Jones takes the snap,
1: fires it deep into the end zone. Touchdown Giants, Isaiah Hodgins. He just ran the post. Jones to Hodgins, a winning combination, and the Giants take the lead with 103 to go in the first. Second down. Play fake. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger.
2: Daniel Bellinger, Palo Verde High. Look at that. Yeah.
0: So, Lori Fitzpatrick, who was just on with us, she said Eli Apple is pro football focus grade is low. I didn't realize it was. He's the 109th best corner out of 120 graded cornerbacks this season. That's not just threw Throw to that. his side of the field. That's just awful. Like that is worst corner in the league level of bad for the Bengals defense. All right. The New York Giants won a playoff game. We had Adam Candy on the show yesterday, a Giants fan who said it was like winning the Super Bowl. But here's the question uh beyond this season, assuming they don't actually win the Super Bowl or anything like that, do you believe Daniel Jones has already earned a new contract from the Giants?
2: I don't think I don't think he has. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I know what he did the other day. I guess it comes down to this, much like other teams we've talked about with quarterbacks. Who do they believe they can get as better? Yep. Right? I mean, who who's out there that they say this guy – let's say they lose this week, although the, the guy won a playoff game. Who can push us the last step towards a Super Bowl? And if they don't think there's anyone better, maybe they gave him the deal. But I, I think they do some research to say, who can we get that's better? Is it Derek Carr? Um. You know, is it, is it someone like that? Is Derek Carr better than him? I think Derek Carr is better than him.
0: But I, you know, that's again, a good that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that because here here's the thing with Brian Dable and what he's done with Daniel Jones, it made him look like a very good quarterback. Any at any point before this season, Derek Carr was three times better than Daniel Jones ever was. Right. But Daniel Jones has looked pretty good this year, and I think specific to a scenario, right? Would Brian Dable make Derek Carr better the way he's made Daniel Jones better maybe but I feel like Derek Carr is who he is almost regardless of who he's is. been
2: in the league long enough to where right he is he's that guy
0: so on the idea of who they could get obviously if Lamar Jackson became available and the Giants could get him that's your quarterback right, right? like you're, you're upgrading from Daniel Jones to Lamar Jackson but after that Adam Candy yesterday said he wouldn't he wouldn't go from Daniel Jones to Derek Carr. He doesn't think there's a significant upgrade there. Is anybody a significant upgrade that's going to be available? Right? Like, well, if is, you don't
2: think Derek Carr is, you probably don't think Jimmy right. G is. Like Garoppolo,
0: Brady, Geno Smith, like, or any of these guys. Like, would the would
2: the Giants go for Tom Brady? They might make a call. Again, it goes. I don't think enough's been. I don't think enough's been written or said about. It. I said it in the previous segment about what Brady wants. Yeah. I just don't think it's always, it's always, oh, this team's going to go after Brady. This team's going to go after Brady. Well, what does Brady want? They just fired Leftwich in Tampa Bay. I don't think he's going back there. Um, unless he's the one that got left. Well, fired. unless he's the one who made the <laughs> call. And then he is going back there because he'll choose the offensive coordinator. But we don't know where Brady's going to want to go either. And like you said, now we do throw the. Okay, here's the thing because you asked this question earlier about the amount of teams who would be really interested in Brady. If they think Daniel Jones has a future, would the Giants be one of those teams? I I think you
0: probably say no, if you're the Giants, just because like we talked about, it's it's a, with the Raiders, it's a short time frame. You're basically like, are the Giants a Super Bowl contender if they get Tom Brady over the next two years? Probably not.
2: No, I think they're like the Raiders. They're yeah. like nine, ten
0: wins. So if you're the Giants, you're you're kind of taking the next two years. Like you don't want to be bad. It's not tanking for the Giants because they're solid. But you're taking the next two years, you're trying to build a team over the next two years so that you are a Super Bowl contender in 2025 or whatever it is. And if you get Brady, I guess you can still do that, but it's going to be a lot harder to do that. So I, I I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I think, if you're the Giants, to go after Brady. Maybe you do it if you think your roster's close, but I think they might be better off keeping Daniel Jones. And here, here's the question I have on Daniel Jones. If the Giants let him walk... What kind of a contract does he get as a free agent? Is he getting a $30 million a year, five million
2: years? I don't think he's proven himself enough to get $30 million for five years.
0: I don't think he is either. And so that, like, what does he get from the Giants? Because if I'm the Giants, I, if I decide, hey, I, I would like to keep Daniel
2: Jones. Maybe franchise tag him.
0: Right. That's probably the most obvious answer here. But if I decide I want to keep him and we're talking about a contract, I think the question I ask myself is, all right, well, if we didn't keep you, what would you sign for? Like we're we're gonna make you the starting quarterback, but if we didn't, what would you sign for? And where? And like, would he get a four year deal that would pay him twenty million a year? Maybe, probably. Maybe, probably. I mean, if somebody said you're our starting quarterback, he'd get well. A he's gonna get he's gonna money. get twenty million dollars a year right. if he's
2: a starting quarterback.
0: It's just it's a weird situation where it's like a team that's in the playoffs might keep their quarterback, and it might not be that expensive because he probably won't have a great market in right. terms of where he would go after that one
2: other point on Brady how old is he 46 46 or he's either going to be or he'll be 46 next year when he's playing
0: can I give you the theory that um he's old and doesn't want to go anywhere that's cold
2: much like our guy Derek yeah, yeah
0: he just wants but Derek's to, not old well yeah well Derek doesn't want to go Derek Carter want to go somewhere old because he always loses in the cold I'm just saying Tom Brady's gotten old <laughs> so he doesn't want to go anywhere cold. He, reti- he retired <laughs> to Florida <laughs> right he just he's like all right i don't want to walk outside in the middle of the season and it be 3 degrees right. out i'm going to stay somewhere where it's warm i can buy that 46 I, 46 i mean i'm 30 and i already think that way i, for, I can buy i don't that want to go somewhere that's cold yeah not even for a week, let alone no, for... No, if, if you've watched the news the last month, do you want to be that? Right. Do you want to be in that with snow and cars? So, and... It's, so it's Tampa, it's Miami, it's Atlanta, it's New Orleans, it's Houston, it's Arizona, Plus LA, Vegas. and Vegas. And that's it. Those, those those are the warm cities. Like somebody said Carolina. I think it's it a little too yeah, cold, a little in Carolina. cold in Carolina. Like it's a little cold. So that's my theory He's old. He wants to stay somewhere warm. So it's going to be one of the cities (laughs) on the southern part of the United States.